morning to everyone. Good morning. Am I loud enough? I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Okay. Thanks. Um, my son approached me, I think that was days ago, and he was asking to me, Dad, do you still remember the 1990 earthquake? So I felt so old. So, yeah, sabi ko, why? Why were you asking about that? Yeah, because um, we have, uh, uh, our teachers thought, thought about it uh, to us, and uh, I don't know when, we're, when where were you nung nangyari yung earthquake. So I was trying to remember, back then, that was 1990, right? So high school lang ako noon, so, <laughs> so high school na ako noon, 1990. So 1990, I was uh, at home. I just came back from school. Nag, uh, nag, mag-isa na ako nagta-travel. I was first year high school. First year lang, ha? First year high school. And then, um, I came back home. Nag-LRT ako from Pedro Hill. And syempre, pag nag-commute ka, pagod ka lagi, di ba? And pagdating sa bahay, gustong-gusto ko yun, um, kakain lang ako agad, and matutulog ako. I'm not sure why my, no, my dad was not there. I'm not sure why, but usually my dad is there kasi he's a pastor. But my mom is in the school. So I was there, sitting alone in my, in my chair in the salas, and then suddenly there's big movements in my chair, and I was wondering, why is it moving? Either nahihilo na ako, baka masobrang pagod ko lang, o inaantok na ako, or there are two, parang inisip ko, baka may pusa sa ilalim ng upuan, na nagpapagalaw ng upuan ko. So I was surprised na it, it took at least a minute bago matapos yung shaking, and I was I was glad that it was over. And then, that, back then, wala pang social media. Hindi ka tulad ngayon pagka may earthquake. Sabi, earthquake! Wala, wala akong tinignan na phone noon. That, that time, natapos yung magdamag. Kasi nag-brown out din afterwards eh. Hindi ka tulad ngayon. Kahit mag-earthquake, din na brown out eh. Nag-brown out noon. Kasi 90s, meron ding um, may power crisis din nung 90s eh. During uh, Fidel Ramos's time. So, after, after kasi nang ano yun, EDSA. Anyway, so, I was surprised na nalaman ko that it was an earthquake, 1990, and the epicenter was in Baguio, and uh, it took many lives. It was in, uh, I remembered, and I researched it uh, kanina bago ako dumating dito, it was Hyatt Terrace, Terrace something, hotel? I forgot na, pero anyway, uh, because the epicenter was ba- near Baguio, Eight, eight sila doon. Almost eight sila. Six sila doon. Six, eight sa Baguio, seven sa atin eh. Almost near seven na sa atin. 6.7, ganyan. Kaya malakas yung sa atin. Pero not enough para bumaksak yung building. Pero a lot of people died during that time. So, my son was telling him, oh, so you remember that was so, so tragic. Yeah. Was tra- where, where was mom? Where was mom? Sabi ko, well, hindi pa kami mag-asawa noon. High school lang ako noon eh. So, so sabi niya, ah, well, uh, you can ask mom, and then I asked uh, Nikki kanina, when were you, what, what were you doing, and when were you, what, what, where were you when that happened? Sabi niya, nasa school ako. Sabi niya, uh, nasa school pa siya. Bakit? Kasi third year high school. Kasi, bakit maaga ako umuwi? Tapos ikaw nasa skwela ka pa. So, sabi niya, hindi kasi ano na ako noon, third year high school na ako noon. So, two, two years ahead siya sa akin sa scholastic years eh. Sabi, sabi niya, uh, maghapon siya sa school and somebody, he thought that somebody was kicking his chair. Kasi yung nasa likod daw niya was uh, gwapong lalaki naman, kaya lang papansin. Sabi niya, papapansin sa akin yun eh. Kala ko, 
inaano niya yung chair ko, kinikik niya. But apparently, there was an earthquake. Nag-fire drill ba kayo noon? Naglabasan kayo? Eh, hindi na. Otin nyo, hindi rin uso fire drill noon. Kung patay, patay. Ganun ang mangyayari. So, uh, and then I related it to Kuya Eli. Sabi niya, uh, I, I, I really don't know what happened. I was not there. But I think with the, all the, the, the kwento that he got, he, he got experience somehow close to what happened. I know that he hasn't experienced an earthquake yet. But that is key, I think. That is key in making sure that if there is a shared historical experience na a lot of people during a period of time has experienced, those who will actually just have to hear it as a kwento na lang will have to be satisfied with the kwento na lang because they were not there. Pero one thing is clear, for those who experience it, nung nandun kami, the experience was so vivid. Now we can always say, ah, nung 1990 earthquake, nandun kami. Ah, nung nangyari yung X, Y, and Z historical event na yun, nandun na kami. Yung EDSA, wala po ako doon. De joke lang. Buhay na ako ng EDSA, pero wala akong recollection. Hindi ko na naaalala kung nasaan ako. Wala, ako. wala akong memory. Pero yung 1990, may memory na ako. I, I can tell you, I can relate to you what happened to me in history. And that's important. Kasi whenever we're talking about Christianity, often more often than not, today, ah, today modern Christianity today, we tend to relegate or set it aside the thinking that Christianity is a historical religion or a history grounded in religion. And somehow, it has shifted towards this idea that Christianity is all about my experience, the way I experience it. And while it is experienced by each believer in every generation, nawawala yung connecting component to it. Just like experiencing an earthquake 1990 that even my own son will not be able to recreate the experience. However, Christianity, while it is history, it is more than that. And one of the things that are clear enough in Scripture that we have to be confident about is that Christianity is also eschatological. Ayun na, pastor. Siguro mga two hours na tayo ngayon. Kasi binanggit mo na eschatology. So we have a new sermon series. It's uh, in the book of Acts. And it, these are the events from, and the events from this book can be best understood when we view it from a eschatological worldview or a view that sees it in an eschatological way. But what do we mean? Then we'll have to uh, think through that. We have the Acts uh, text from chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, to, to know more about that. But just simply put, just to put it ahead for all of us, when we say eschaton, it's Greek term, okay? And in English, it simply means last things. That's it. And nowadays, it's often associated to rapture, na left behind ka, ganon. And while it is true that it is about what happens to us in our intermediate state, however, the study of eschatology covers a grander or greater area of concerns other than our eternal destinies because the last things can also and also includes events that took place or takes place, pending past tense or future tense, in redemptive history, which are mainly projected in the future. 
like the second coming of Christ, the end of this world, and the final judgment. So pag sinabi mong eschaton, it's, it's not just about as individual destinies, but rather it concerns more of cosmology or what happens to this creation and the new creation that is the creation that will come. However, there is much distinctiveness also in the Reformed view, which we, we have a particular interest in too. I know this is just an introduction, so you have to take in as much as you can. But I'll try to be, be helpful along the way. But we have to understand a distinct perspective from the Reformed side has something to do with how we view important redemptive events as what and usually depending so so if this is the beginning of the creation and this is the end of creation every time we talk about eschatology it's about the last things but we have to understand that eschatology is not just about the last things but about the last things breaking into history and that's a good theological framework that, of course, will take a lot of time to get used to because we're not used to the kind of teaching. But what is good in that perspective is that every eschatological event that happened in our past and that will happen in our future is already within the same eschatological period. And you know that what I'm talking about is, is Arminianism. But anyway... What is important there is that we understand that the first coming of Christ, his life, death, and resurrection, mainly the incarnation of Christ, his life, resurrection, ascension, the, I would say, the eschatological man, the second man from heaven breaking into history together with, that's the first one, the second one with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the eschatological spirit are the two most important events that took place in redemptive history. Because if we account all of the events that happened, even prior to that in the Old Testament, everything is preparatory. Everything is just pointing out to these two great eschatological events. Our Lord Jesus Christ being in flesh and coming into a victory upon death and resurrection and ascension, and then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost. And these are eschatological, meaning they are events that are eschatological, breaking into the history, breaking into our history as men in this world and in this creation. This means that these, are, these events are not just future events. And yun yung mahalaga na ma-stress pa lang natin ngayon pa lang. Because pag sinabi natin last things, pag namatay ako. No, no, no. Hindi lang ito pag namatay ako. Ito yung mga bagay na nangyari na at nagkakaroon pa rin ng epekto hanggang ngayon. So these are not just future events, but they have already occurred past, uh, pwede natin sabihin na past event with uh, perfect tense. So meron siyang um, continuing effect, recognized in its effect and even at this present time. This view helps us appreciate the connection between those who are living between the times in Acts with the apostles and connects us with them as those who are living now in the, in the aftermath of the church's planting or founding. Because minsan iniisip natin, they are so detached. Historically, wala naman tayong kinalaman sa kanila. Like a 1919s earthquake, hindi na maiintindihan. But no, the real connection there is not just history. 
but eschatology. Because we all, we all are under the same last two great eschatological event. And we have to understand that just like the saints of the New Testaments, the, the New Testament, we live between the first and the second coming of Christ. Wala naman silang pagkakaiba sa atin in that sense. Ang malaki na lang pagkakaiba is because of the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, malaki rin yung naging changes dun sa mga nangyari sa kanila that came with a lot of miracles as well. But taking that aside, they still and we still have the same effects being felt by these two great eschatological events. In short, we are all eschatological people that we live in anticipation of His return and we are waiting for Him to come again. This also sets for us the relatability and the applicability of our subject matter. Minsan po, as a pastor, it always gives us a lot of struggle on how to apply God's word to God's people. And that's a real task for a pastor. Actually, that's the most difficult task. Because while madaling mag-exeget, hindi naman madali, it requires hard work. Madaling mag-illustrate because it requires experience. Mas mahirap mag-apply nito in real-life conditions. Lalo na kung nandito lang tayo sa Accelerate or nandun kami sa gym ng Imus o nandun kami sa isang bahay, sa isang whatever home, home church. Because while conditions change, the reality must always be communicated. And this is important for us when we study the book of Acts because this means that our values and their values, our beliefs and their beliefs, their relationships and our attitudes and behaviors are common as with the New Testament church. And when we're talking about commonness, those are important things. Now, minsan iniisip natin with all the diversity that we have, we have to search out what is common. And sometimes, it's hard enough to find what is common for us. Tama ba? Ito palang group of people na nandito will, will all soon discover that the commonality will actually be sometimes trumped by differences. That's why mabigat na rin yung commonality pagdating pa lang sa isang grupo. But then think of it this way. It's also harder to find commonality to the people that are living in the times of the New Testament. And that's the reason why it's important for us to study scripture. It is important for us to study the book of Acts. It not only informs us to the history of the beginning of the church, but it also gives us a sense of our place in the Christian community today. It is a source of inspiration, hope, and encouragement for all of us in our, Christians, in, in our Christian lives. Now, as a young and relatively new church plant, we all need to go together in the grace of the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Tama naman yun, di ba? And that's the goal. So, learning about the book of Acts helps us recognize our common origin and hindi po yung magiging parang pinaka flow na nung thought process natin. We have to know our common origin which in turn informs our common purpose, which in turn uh, energize our common mission or a common ministry. Because given our diverse background, I believe studying a book like this will help unite us in our common bond, which is what? Well, mainly because only believers will be able to share the common bond. The common bond is our union with God through faith in Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, nothing 
else. And this enables us to persevere in our ministry and to the mission of the church, not only in our church, but as well in our own respective homes. So today we'll begin with chapter 1, verses 1 to 11 next week, uh, next time. I'll be preaching next month. I'll continue with the rest of the chapter 1 verses. We have only two sermon points, but I have a third point for application. So the first point is the purpose of the church. The second point is the mission of the church. And by way of application, a call for conviction and participation. And before we begin, may I invite everyone to pray. Eternal God, in the reading of Scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditation of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. So, I'll not read anymore the text, but if you've, you have your scripture, you can read it for yourself. Now, the first five, the first five verses of Acts, we can learn from here the purpose of the book, and it is apologetic. And I know apologetic is para nagpa-apologize ka sa kasalanan ng mga tao, but then in, in a technical sense, apologetic means to defend. You want to defend something. Uh, you want to defend specifically Christianity against what? Against misconceptions, against uh, you know persecutions, and that is important. And aimed at defending Christianity, it is all about defending it against false accusations and reassuring. So two prong yon to the to the enemy to defend it against false accusations but to those who are accepting christianity it is to reassure its readers its acceptors its believers of its authenticity because mal malinos apologetic ang kailangan nating idepensahan is the truth and the truth must be defended authentically sometimes kasi truth is not defended authentically meaning there's much lies covering or hovering over. You cannot have truth with lies hovering over. Tama ba? So truth must be defended authentically. Now, and there is a way for Luke to do this and what he did is when, once the re great redemptive act had happened, so past tense kay Luke, yung two great important events, Christ and the Spirit. Tama ba? So what he, Luke did was he used, so I, I'm just going to pass through it, and then I'll be repeating it again and again so that we can get used to the term. He uses prophetic inspired, uh, sorry, prophetic interpreted history. What do we mean? When we mean we say interpreted history, there is no neutral history. There is no history that says, okay, just state the facts. Wala pong ganun sa history. Facts that happened in the past needs to be interpreted. Malino po yun. Has to be clear because kapag ka sinasabi natin, hindi. Everybody has a claim on history. Oh naman. Everybody has a claim. But then who has the authority on the claim of history, they must have witnesses to stand against any false accusation and to verify its authenticity. So when Luke wrote Acts, and even Luke, when Luke wrote the Gospel, but basically, book one, book two yun eh. So, of course, na-relegate sa Gospel yung pangalan ng isa, but then, it's basically book one, book two. But when he wrote it, 
His purpose was to make sure that he will be doing a prophetic interpreted history. That what he is doing is not neutral. He is doing a prophetic interpretation of what happened in the history. Therefore, he has been informed of all the Old Testament prophets of everything that has been spoken about the coming of Christ and the Spirit and he laid it down in his book. Ganun po, kaya po prophetic, historical, interpreted history. And aside from that, he used the testimony of multiple witnesses to strengthen the argumentation of faith. Pastor, akala ko ba faith will just stand on its own? Yes, it can stand on its own without you. But you cannot, you cannot have a ministry. Okay? We cannot have a ministry. We cannot have a worship. We cannot have a public public space, uh, whatever, ministry, without you giving something that is verifiable and can be authentic, uh, can be verified and can be proven to be authentic. And that's true. Regardless of where you are, we're not a private religion. Yung a secret religion na, hindi, kahit saan tayo magpunta, basta ang mahalaga, I accepted Jesus in my heart. Wala na makapag, wala na makakapag, uh, sabi nga, wala na makakapag-question whether or not you have accepted Jesus in your heart. But that's not what we're talking about. Are you presenting a religion that is for public consumption? And that is Acts. It is a, we can say, we have a very public religion because we have a historical understanding of it. But at the same time, it's catological. But then, just to, just to go back to the point, we're saying that it needs argumentation. So, the Christian truth and the Holy Spirit's role in forming God's people are emphasized always. And this is why the beginning of the book, uh, Luke is also, also making sure that Theophilus understands. Okay? And these are the last great, uh, great eschatological event. So, Luke's message is based on the doctrine of word as a primary means of grace and the Holy Spirit's proclamation, it, 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 uh, empowerment in its proclamation. Anyway, just a summary, and then I'll just go through it one by one. Now, there are two important introductory information that we can read from the first five verses of Acts. First, we learn the purpose of the book is apologetic. Second, and it, it teaches us that the primary witness, we're not talking about just the human witness, but the primary witness of the book is the Holy Spirit. So when Luke is addressing a new convert, Theophilus, now, there's much mystery to the man. A lot has been said already, but uh, mainly what we can gather from what the scholars are saying is that he is not a Jew. Why is that important? It is important because he doesn't know any yet a lot about Jewish history. He may have his Old Testament uh, Pentateuch, uh, Pentateuch or whatever uh, Septuagint version of the Old Testament. He may read wide, but he still doesn't have a lot of idea on what it means to become a Christian or follower of Christ. So Theophilus may have been Gentile, lover of God, Theophilus. So, pwede din naman nating sabihin na Theophilus may have been a sympathizer or pwede rin, pwede rin proselyte okay, to the 
Old Testament Judaism who did not convert to Judaism anymore but rather converted to Christianity. So given that information, we know that Theophilus needed a lot of affirmation with regard to the authenticity of the Christian message. Okay? So when Luke addresses a new convert named Theophilus, it is with the intent to provide an accurate account of Christ's life, death, and resurrection. Essentially, his goal is to defend Christianity against false accusations from the Gentile and Jews themselves. Now, to defend Christianity against false accusations, Again, we said that Luke uses prophetic interpreted history. And just like the Old Testament prophets, it means that it requires two or three witnesses to confirm an account. So let's say, and this is one of the reasons why maraming Old Testament prophets after bumaksak yung Judah, Kingdom of Judah, to the hands of Babylon and afterwards, Persia is because eyewitnesses must be generated and the prophets are eyewitness to the, of course, because bumaksak, lalabas, eyewitness sila against the great sin of Israel against God. Now, pagdating dito sa New Testament, okay, ang eyewitnesses ni Jesus for the great eschatological events would be firstly, Peter. Second would be John. Third would be Paul himself, and then lastly would be Luke. So, lalabas more than two na yun, di ba? Okay? So, this is what we're saying that the apostolic witnesses contributed to the defense of Christianity in Acts. So, more than dun sa Old Testament uh, uh, prophetic witnesses, kinailangan talaga na magkaroon ng apostolic witnesses to make sure na yung lahat na nangyari about the eschatological events will be written down in scripture, will be defended against its false accusers, and then it will bring about uh, reassuring its, uh, yung lahat ng mga tumatanggap will be reassured of its authenticity. So, what Luke wants Christians to know and understand why Christianity exists in the first place is mainly about the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ang dinefend nila doon is yung life, death, and resurrection of Christ. This revelation or the interpretation of God's redemptive work in Christ is what created the church. And kapag pinag-uusapan natin yung redemptive act, so yun yung eschatological event, pag pinag-uusapan natin yung revelation, yung interpretation of that redemptive event, yung revelation itself, pag sinasabi natin revelation, ito yung interpretation dun sa redemptive act. So yung re revelation itself, yung interpretation ng redemptive act is what we say the gospel is. So when we say that the gospel was defended, the gospel was used to reassure its, uh, its believers of its authenticity, it also means that it alone created the church. Walang ibang paraan ang ginamit ang Diyos sa pagkikreate ng church aside from the great revelation of Christ. That's it. That's why Christians afterwards collected these books. 
That's why it, it, it brought about the question of canonicity because that's how important it is. Because the origin of the church is the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. The origin of the church also provides its purpose. It also energizes its mission. The purpose gives reasons to your existence or the purpose of the church can be said is the reason for its being. Now simply put, the purpose of the church, the reason for its being in relation to its origin is the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. It stands and it falls on what Christ has done in history. That's it. So when Luke assures new converts and curious readers about the truth of Christianity, it's all about standing for God's truth in this world. Walang, gina, walang ibang paraan na ginamit si, si, si Luke to make sure that these converts will remain in Christianity. Part of the temptation, whenever you are in it, regardless kung how old of a pastor you are, regardless of how small or big your church is, the greatest temptation is always to offer other than God's word. That's the greatest temptation. Hindi lang to masyadong napapansin if you're not very keen to it, pero that's, that's the reason why. And, and, and it's sad when, 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 when you see faithfully planted church for quite some time and for quite some years already, falters or grow cold or wane, wane out or falter. It's sad. Why? Because suddenly you'd realize that a lot of people are not there for God's word. They're not there to feed on what is true. They're just simply there because it's other than God's word. So we have to always understand, and this is why it's important for Luke to address Theopilus in this manner and how serious he was in this work. Hello naman, ang haba nung Acts. Kayo kaya mag-aral nun? Hindi talaga kasi inaaral ko kasi yung Acts. So, ibig sabihin, ang pinakamahirap sa akin aralin sa lahat is narrative. Wala namang ibang mahirap. Sorry. Nung inaral ko nga yung Revelation, mas simple pa. Kasi hindi naman straight narrative. Nung mag-aral ka ng solid narrative, grabe talaga. Magkakasakit ka, di ba? <laughs> hindi siya madali. So, when Luke penned two books to Theophilus, a serious account of what happened, then you know this is serious business. He wanted to defend Christianity. He wanted to uphold God's truth. He wanted everyone to understand that this is it. Wala nang iba. This is what created the church. So standing for God's truth in this world is the sole reason for its being. And the method of prophetic interpretation of history, combined with the testimony of multiple witnesses, strengthened his argument for the faith. That what Luke was showing to us is that Christianity is rooted in history. It is not just mere opinion or mere belief. And somehow that's sad in the state of the churches today. Christianity has become a matter of preference. It's not a matter of truth. Nobody anymore wants to die on the hill of the truth of this Christianity. 
And that's, the, that's sad. That's sad, actually. It's not something to, be, to celebrate. But then, week in, Lord's Day, week in, Lord's Day out, everyone goes to church for what? For the experience that they have come accustomed to. And that's problematic. And that's actually false. Not just problematic. I'm being gracious. So that's false. That's false Christianity. Because in this Christianity, it's not just opinion or belief. It is founded on the testimony of those who witness Christ's life, death, and resurrection. And then at the core, it is the gospel of Christ. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the person and work of Christ. It is his life, death, and resurrection. It is one of the great eschatological events. There is no one anymore and no history event will occur anymore except that last one. And that's it. So, as Luke emphasized the truth of Christianity as its sole basis, he then moves to point out that the Holy Spirit's role in forming God's people. Yes, he focused on the triune God as the primary actor of the book, but he also gives attention to the Holy Spirit as the prime mover sent by the Father and the Son in this glass great eschatological event of redemptive history. We'll, we'll tackle more about the Holy Spirit as we go through. I just wanted to put it in so that you know that the Holy Spirit has already been mentioned there. He wants his readers to recognize that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it is an outpouring. Okay? So pag nag-outpouring ang Holy Spirit, it's, it's correspondent to the outpoured water that we do during baptism. Wala lang, siningit ko lang yun. <laughs> Para lang, you know, masabing infant baptism yun, ha? Okay. Para, kasi baka may tanong lang. Baka may magtanong lang. Okay. So, alright. So, theologically speaking, the term that theologians, uh, Reformed theologians uses for this to describe is the doctrine of the Word as the primary means of grace, and the Holy Spirit is the one empowering its proclamation and converting God's people through it. And practically speaking, this is what we mean when sola scriptura is being practiced and insisting that it alone is the primary means upon which the Holy Spirit uses to convert God's people to faith and repentance. Now, we, before we go to the practical implications, let's just, you know, settle that for a second, and then let's go to the second point, the common mission of the church. So we have verses 1 to 5, and then we have verses 6 to 7. So now in verses 6 to 7, in some, this is when the disciple asked Jesus if he will restore the kingdom to Israel. We're not talking about the kingdom of Israel. Kasi doon po ang malaking dipate. Uh, who, which Israel are we talking about here? Because when we are talking about Israel as a nation, and then we're talking about the ten tribes of Israel there lang. De joke lang. So hindi... Yung lahat ng technicality nun, nauubos na pagdating ng ating Panginoong Isu Kristo. Kasi technically speaking, Israel is no more. Even when Jesus came in. So, parang ang Israel are we talking about here? Pero, when the apostles are still, imagine, the apostles experience a lot of miraculous works. Kaya nga iniisip ko minsan, even if Christ chose for all of the pastors today to be encouraged in the faith shows a lot of miracle. 
do not change the fact na matitigas pa rin ang ulo ng mga pastor. It will not change that attitude. Even the apostles themselves, even spending three, day, three years with him in, in his life, and even afterwards, 40 days in ascension, it did not change a whole lot about the mindset that what we're thinking about is still the old Israel that they have come to know and accustomed to. So, what Jesus did is he responded that no, they must receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And this passage concludes that while Jesus being taken up into the heaven, the two men in the white robes telling the disciples that Jesus will come again, it also highlights that the ascension and the promises of Jesus' return. Yung parousia. Yung totoong parousia, ha? hindi yung rapture. Yung parousia. Wala naman pong ibang parousia. Walang ibang parousia sa, sa, sa scripture except yung second coming. Wala po yung may partial coming for believers and then the grand coming with the everyone else. So parousia will always be the grand coming. Which is here, it's clear that, that there is much parallelism with the ascension and the promise of Christ's return. And as we believe, as believers, we are called to persevere in our mission and to trust in God's providence and relying on His daily and weekly provisions. Because if you understood it well, and I'm not sure if I'm going to tackle it a while ago, so I'll just tackle it now. But when Jesus left, the usual impression was then, because we are all from the space age, kakapanood ko lang ulit ng recounting of the na the Apollo 11th mission, don't ask me why I watch it. I find fun in it. Eh. So, uh, I got inspired again. The idea, okay, we're reaching the stars. Well, of course, it's, the moon is not the star. But then, it was close enough. But then, it created for all of us a kind of mindset that when you're talking about heaven, when you're talking about Christ ascending, he went to the outer space. The nearest would be the moon. The problem there is that it's not a Jewish mindset. So it's more likely that Jesus just simply disappeared into the clouds. The clouds kasi has a great significance when it comes to symbolic presence of God. Technically speaking, he took himself out of its, his visibility. That's it. In the, ang, ang lagi kasi implication is when Jesus left, he left us para tayong mga ampon na nawalan ng mga magulang. Although sinabi niya yun, di ba? Pero sinabi niya, no, the Holy Spirit will be there. So parang meron ng koring parang modalism na nagkaroon ng exchange na okay, pinalitan ni Jesus si Holy Spirit, si Holy Spirit na kasama natin. No, 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 no. He simply went out to the visibility of His disciples and even in our own age now. He can choose not to, but he knows. we all know that it is the, the doctrine of the sacrament, sacrament that makes sure, and the word that makes sure that he is with us and in our midst. But then that's another topic altogether. But ang sinasabi lang is he removed himself from that visibility. But he is eternally present with us. Jesus was never without us. He is always here until the end of age. So ang nangyari lang, which is yung multiplying effect, is that the Holy Spirit is now made visible in our midst. Kaya yung outlook ng eschatological event, ng outpouring, is important because that one grand event 
settles for all of us that the Holy Spirit is in within our midst as well. That the Spirit of Christ is a spiritual presence to all of us. And that's a good reality to always ponder on. So the disciples asked the question to the resurrected Christ. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Apparently, hindi nga sila naniwala ng una. Nung namatay nga si Jesus, binitray nga sila ni Peter. Eh. So afterwards now, they're, oh, baka naman ngayon, Lord. So when Luke reported, recorded this event to make his, what made, what Luke recorded this event is that he wants to, his readers to realize the God-given nature of the church. And this is it. The, Jew, the disciples did not invent it. It did not come from them. It's clear here, and this is why it's important it's here. Hindi yung naisip ni na Peter, ni na John, Uy, uy mag-mission kaya tayo. Labas-labas naman pag may time, di ba? Kasi nakakabor na rin dito minsan. And, and there was a, uh, and there was a uh, we know that nagkaroon ng diaspora, tama ba? We know that the, 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 the Jerusalem wall, 70 AD was, was diba, crashed to the ground. So, what's critical here is what Luke is making sure all of us read. Hindi naman alam na mga disciples kung actually gagawin nila afterwards eh. That's it. Hindi nila alam. Okay? Even Christ was the one who said to them what they need to do after some time. They did not invent it. Why? And the reason being is because they even got it wrong. They were still imagining a kingdom to Israel will be restored. So when the answer was given to Christ, by Christ, it is not actually a direct reply, uh, no. But it is no, kasi rhetorical eh. Kasi si Luke hindi masyado inventive, kasi gentile yun. Pero it's supposed to be rhetorical. It's a redirection. Jesus gently puts to them the right perspective. First, Their task as apostles is not anymore to speculate future events. No more. In the past, for the, the prophets, yes. But to speculate about future events, no more. Kaya nga po yung lahat na nagsasabi na alam nila kung kailan dadating ang Panginoon, kailan magkakaroon ng pandemic, wala nga nakasabi kung kailan darating ang pandemic. Pambira. Okay. So it's not their... task anymore. What their task now is to live and to participate in the work that Jesus himself has begun. That's it. The church's mission is not about restoration. Yung po din mahalaga yun. It's about consummation of the kingdom that has been inaugurated without any of them doing anything. And that's clear. That's clear enough actually because the cross says it all. The resurrection says it all. No kingdom, no kings, no prophets, no priests has done it. Only Christ has done it. And that's it. The apostle will just have to consummate along with it what Christ has inaugurated already in their lives. And it's not about preservation. Because I came out from a preserving church. Lahat namatay. Wala naman kung sinabing lahat sila namatay. Pero alam ko lahat sila mamamatay. Mamamatay din naman ako eh. But then there's no spiritual vitality in the church. It is good as dead. And it's sad. Because there are elect there, there are believers hungering, and they're not feeding. It's sad. 
It's the saddest state of the church that have come to. But the church is not about preservation, but expansion. Expand lang. Expand ng expand. Pagka sa, sa business yun, problema yun. Kasi pera yun, you know? Expand ng expand. No, gastos yan. Expand ng expand. But that, that's it. Mga magulang, we have to expand. Jesus reminds them that only the, it is only the Father appoints the time and the season and this belongs to the secret will of God. Our place is not to speculate but instead to propagate. That's it. Propagate in this world. Propagate where you are. Second, the scope of the mission is no longer just old Israel. I just put all there. But to the nations, plural. Yes, it began in Jerusalem, but it will go to the ends of the earth. And lastly, the sign for the age. And, and this is the sign of the age. The evangelization of the whole world with the whole gospel of the whole crisis. That's it. That's the last sign actually. When, when Revelation was written, nag-aabang ka ng sign eh. Nag-aabang ka ng sign. Ironically speaking, Technically speaking, wala kang mababasang sign na doon. Anyway, and because Jesus already laid it down that the sign of the, la the last age will be this, that this message of the gospel will be preached to all nations and the end will come. And that's it. Kaya po kalmado tayo eh. No? Keep calm lang. Kasi kahit anong dumating pandemic, kahit dumating na world war, kahit anong dumating dilubyo, wala tayong magagawa na doon. Dadating at dadating yon. But then the, earth, the church will remain. The church will propagate. The church will push through. And that's it. Third, the ascension guarantees the end will be followed by the parousia. And that two angelic witnesses testifies not only to the resurrection of the at Emmanus but also the ascension in the parousia of Christ it's a guaranteed book end kasi minsan iniisip pa rin natin because of our own personal challenges in this life there's a lot of things that are uncertain totoo naman yun kahit ako nga dahil ko uncertainty sa buhay eh But the moment that you read our common history our common origin our common purpose It's basically cast to stone. Nothing will change anymore. As Christ has ascended, so He will descend in His second coming. And He will return in power and glory. And this will be the end of this present age that we live in. And it will be the inauguration or the, yeah, the reality of the age to come. So as a believer in Christ, the book of Acts reminds us of our place in the great redemptive history. Kaya po comforting ang amelial position in its catological framework because it gives us a clear understanding of where we stand. And sometimes, having shaky, shaky foundation makes you, uh, makes you question your own identity, makes you question your own stability, But this is the rock upon which we stand. We now all belong to the great redemptive historical position that our New Testament saints have been living in as well. We are now living in the two ages and eschatologically speaking, we live in the midst of the inaugurated kingdom and the consummated kingdom. And the coming of Christ and the sending of the Spirit are the two great events that we are already experiencing now. 
Sometimes kasi I feel defeated kapag po maraming problema ang church. Marami kasi talagang problema ang church. Grabe naman talaga eh. eh hindi ka naman pwede mag-turn, you know, kikit mo nalang mga mata mo. That's not truth. And sometimes it gives you some sense of despair. But then you get encouraged by the fact na, ano pang hinihintay ba natin? May hinihintay pa ba akong, ano, uh, second Christ? Baka naman pag dumating siguro si Kibuloy, dito sa sa Manila baka dito sa Makati baka ma, ma di ba ma makalmakalma tayo pero hindi naman po yun ang kailangan i just heard that in in, in a sad turn of events that um uh, recently there's been a clamor again in uh, the revival of the holy spirit in Ashbury if i'm not mistaken uh Bethel church um it's already another uh, great revivalist uh, movement pero that's sad why people are trying to again trying again and again to get the height of experience like it's like my son wanting to be in 1990 so that he can experience the earthquake why would you do that why would you do that it doesn't matter anymore i've already told you what happened no one so nasa na tayo this means, okay, so this means that since we are now experiencing everything that even the, Old Te- the New Testament saints have experienced, this means that we, be- we live in the times when all the benefits of this union that God had poured out already in God's people, namely election, calling, justification, adoption, sanctification, and perseverance, all these great blessings we experience will always be experienced in this period of time. That we receive the blessings and the effects of the Holy Spirit like love, faith, and hope. And at the same time, those who experience God's grace while we do have God's love, God's hope, and God's faith, uh, the faith of, gift of faith, we also receive trials and tribulation. Yes, that's true. No one is exempted from it. We also live in difficulty and discipline. But this is just so that we grow and progress in our sanctification and will soon, soon enough, will be able to get rid of all of it. So a call to conviction and participation. So as a young, new, pwedeng young, ano? Pwede eh. Oh, young. Kasi sabihin ko new eh. Tapos young, hindi mm, oh, young nga. <laughs> as a young, new, small church, the purpose and the mission of the church poses a great challenge, challenge in, in, in every way for its core members, attenders, and guests, and how they're going to grow with one another, serve with one another. How will this happen considering that we all came out from different background, personalities, and temperaments? Well, at the risk of sounding too simplistic, and like a, sabi nga, yung sirang makina, yung sirang plaka, paulit-ulit, okay? I've always believed with full conviction and experience that the forming and the growing of God's people in all places at all times only comes from God's word and spirit. That's it. I know it sounds simplistic eh? because people will ask, that's it? There's nothing more? Hindi pa pwedeng, kailangan natin maraming programa o maraming activities or baka kailangan natin ng konting yung aral-aral naman about ourselves and how to improve, how we're going to interact with one another. Not to demean the importance of fellowship, community. These are all 
proper outcomes of a growing community that learns God's word. But this is essentially what we mean when we say sola scriptura applied to the mission of the church. Because kasi sola, parang I admire people who say, Ah, Pastor, I'm sola scriptura in my soteriology because for me, it's all about sovereignty of God, God alone. Monergistic ako, Pastor. Okay. Right. <laughs> oh, then, that's right. Wala naman akong, naman ako dapat i-comment doon. But then, is our understanding of the mission of the church is sola scriptura? Is it alone going to grow the church? And that's conviction, mga magulang at kapatid. The preaching of the pure gospel of Christ is the only primary means of converting to faith and repentance, abandoning all dishonoring means which add with which men add to the all-sufficient word of God. Guido de Bray expounds, as for the false church, it assigns more authority to itself, meaning nag-assign siya ng authority sa mga tao do sa church. I, I don't know about you. I, I do want, people would want respect. Tama naman yun, di ba? People would want honor. Tama naman yun. Especially if you're in the service area, ayaw mo nang binabastos ka. Tama ba? But then there is a difference between that and asking that it will be the sole authority in the church. Because that makes you a false church. A false church assigns authority more authority to itself and to its ordinances than the word of God. It does not want to subject itself to the yoke of Christ. Yes, the yoke of Christ is gentle, but it's still a yoke. It does not administer the sacrament of Christ as commanded in this word, meaning church discipline and membership. Rather, it adds to them and subtracts from them as it pleases, and it bases itself on the fear of men rather than on Christ. So as God supplies us every need and, and every minister to the all, God supplies our every need and we have to understand that's enough. And that to all aspects of our ministry and the mission of the church, He alone accomplishes and applies the spiritual benefits our communion with Him gives. It is important to understand here that Christ did not magically disappear upon, the ascension, upon His ascension and the Holy Spirit eventually replaced him. No, we are not modelists, mga magulat kapatid. Ayan na, nandito pala. I repeated it. Jesus continues to be the one expanding the church until his return. And it is by the Holy Spirit sent by the Father and the Son who continues to bring about conversion and faith and the building up of God's people in this church. So why do we need to plant a new church in every generation? Well, let me some, cite some reasons for it. First, and this is important because I've learned it the hard way, that despite appearances, visible churches experience apostasy in every generation. Ako yung generation one, let's say, my son is generation two, my father is generation first, ay sorry, ano ulit, ulit. my grandfather is generation one, kunyari, I'm, my father is like generation two, third generation ako, fourth generation si Eli. So, ganun yung generation. So, it's a span of almost, ano na, a century, 100 years. Okay? So, there is apostasy happening in every generation. We have to understand that as a result, 
As a result, true Christians must seek to establish new local churches to preserve the message of the gospel for future generations. Kaya nga minsan, it, ang babaw na ang gusto lang ng mga tao is maraming mga Christian for every generation. Sino pang ayaw nun? Pero ang babaw eh. Because it will not guarantee na magkakaroon pa rin ng generation of Christians after that, even if ang dami-dami nyo. But then, even if ang konti-konti nyo, di ba? It can happen na napapreserve yung message of the gospel from generation into generation now. Second, because God has promised to issue this call to the elect, and there is no elect that will not be saved. And there is an elect in every generation. And to convert them through His word and spirit, and to bring to them to the church is the mission. He calls to us to repentance and faith, but we must allow them to, to hear His call and respond to it in every generation. And without the church, it will not happen. And, and, and that, diba, that, that brings about some importance to what we're doing here. Tama ba? Hindi lang naman po tayo nagkipagkita dito para it's like a social thing that we do every Lord's Day. Kung social thing lang po ito, mamimili na lang po ako ng mga masasarap na pagkain sa merkato. Doon nga ako kanina magpa-park eh. Natempa ko eh. Dito kaya ako mag-park. Para mamaya, pwede ako mamili. Pero hindi po eh, di ba? Kasi social club yun eh. Pero dito tayo nagpunta and nakikinig tayo ng salita ng Diyos because this is what's important. This is what will bring about repentance and faith. So we must pray for those who have not heard the gospel. We must share the gospel with them. We must remember that it is God who changes the heart of sinners, not us. And lastly, third commission, Christ's commission is the Spirit's commission. Ah, sorry. Christ's commission is the Spirit's mission. And our Father will consummate that mission until the end. And consequently, we must continue planting new churches in every generation because it is Christ Himself who will complete His work on earth and establish this kingdom. Kung kami lang po mga pastor po ito, oh, Ang dami na nagkagulo. Pero no, it's about the triune work of God. It has never been our work. So let us remember that we are all here for the long haul. It's not a sprint, but a marathon. I've been a Christian for almost 23 years. No, sorry. Mas malaba pa pala. But for, ah? Huh? 36, ayun. Thank you. 36 now. 36 years now. And you know for a fact that ang dami mong kalokohan pinagsasabi nung mas bata ka. Ang dami mong mga maling pinagsasabi at dami mong pinaggagawa. Naging praise and worship leader pa nga ako. Naging, naging youth leader, pastor pa nga ako. Ang dami kong mga regrets sa buhay. Pero anyway, you, you mature eh. You mature. Theologically, spiritually, and you mature. So it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Our mission field, and this is what I want to leave with you, it's not just outside the church, but more so within our, within, not just our outside the church, but within our church walls, within our family. As children of believers, the next generation of Christians are being won by modernism, consumerism, Secularism, 
pragmatism, apathetism, yung walang pakailam, okay? yung wokeness of this age, tawag nila doon is wokeness ngayon, but then activism yun nung namin. They're being won daily by these things. And our children as believers will have to endure all these things. And we need to remain vigilant in teaching them everything that God commanded from His Word. They too need to hear the gospel preached and applied not in their just local churches, but more so in their homes. The spiritual leadership of a husband or a father is critical in this, in this space or in this area because spiritual uh, sabi ko na yung kahapon hindi ko na matap of mind yan. spiritual abdication of authority yung ina-abdicate mo iba yung delegate eh, kasi that's delegation then you assume still responsibility but then the problem will always be spiritual husbands or Christian husbands tend to abdicate their authority at homes either to their wives to their to the internet to social media sadly there's a lot of you know a lot of things to delegate to and abdicate to and this is key and this is where usually our children children of believers used to lose the battle are used to lose the battle in the faith that's why it's critical for us that we never compromise to the spirit of this age by leaving them with an evangel or a gospel tainted with the values and the glitters of this world that we must avoid at all cost training our children to become believing unbelievers it's an oxymoron. It does not exist. But this is what plagues churches today. And that's why the church, those churches are in apostasy. They have failed to teach their own children. We need to teach them about salvation and to show them lives consistently grounded to the gospel truth. So as a congregation of this beloved church, let us persevere until the end and may we continue to trust God's providence and rely on His daily and weekly provision. So to our congregation here in uh, Cornerstone Reformed Church, Makati, the book of Acts tells us the common history. It is a witness of God's work of redemption in the midst of the church and may the Lord continue to bless us with the common bond of the gospel. Amen.